This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 55 of the Rebel Author Podcast. This week is a special episode as I'll be speaking to not one, but two guests. I'm joined by Jeff Adams and Will Knaus, authors and hosts of both the Big Gay Author and the Big Gay Fiction podcasts. We'll be talking all about how to run a podcast as an author. They'll provide tips and tricks and a lot of juicy information that I'm sure many of you will find useful. In fact, I think you'll find it useful whether you want to um, run a podcast or a YouTube channel or something that you haven't done before that isn't in the form of the written uh, medium. But first to not last week's question, but the week before, which was where do you want to be this time next year in your writing or your business? So Kerry Hardisky said, um, in one year, I would like to have a chunk of my series skinny drafted and my credit card paid down enough that I can go on a writing retreat and also work on my Patreon page. Val Neal said, if you'd asked me a year ago, I would have said published, but 2020 has been a bitch. So I'm hoping to just uh, finish another book and have it revised and edited by the end of next year. Erin McKnight said, I want to be publishing my debut novel. I had originally planned on doing it this year, but a family emergency put me behind by a good six months. It's okay. I refuse to give up. Tom Fowler said, in a year, I want to have both my series doing well and be better positioned to go full time. Michael Nasberg said, I'd like to be on my way towards moving out of my current pen names and genre and into an, uh, the genre I'd rather be writing. Oh, mysterious. Stacy said, uh, have my current whip published and editing my second novel, also finishing up with my author accelerated book coach training. Victoria L.K. Williams said, I would like to work on getting the family debt down and produce more books. I have the outline ready for my next series and hope to have three books done by the end of the year. I want to continue to learn as much as I can about the craft, promotions and, God help me, the advertising in the industry. So not much then. <laughs> and last but by no means least, April Jane said, I'm going to daydream and say I'd like to be signing a deal with one of the big five for any one of my novels. But back on planet Earth, I'd be happy if I can be working working with an agent this time next year. So my question this week is, do you prefer audio or video mediums? And I suppose likewise, do you prefer podcasts or YouTube? I'd be really interested to see the preferences and maybe even tell me, I guess, like when you listen or watch each and if there's a time that you prefer each one. I'm just, I'm just curious at the ratio and breakdown. The book recommendation of the week this week is the book that I am actually reading. I am not even at the end of this book. I am 200 pages in and oh my goodness me, I am gonna run out of sticky tabs. This book is absolutely exquisite. And if you want to learn how to write uh, good quality uh, or even, okay, no, that's, I take that I take that back. If you want to learn how to write beautiful prose, then read this book. This is the uh, called The Invisible Life of Addie R LaRue by V.E. Schwab. And it came out this week, last week. I don't know, the days are blurred. But yes, I will leave um, my links in the show notes for you to grab. Now, personal update news this week. I finally finished the course. So let me uh, tell you all about this. So as I, I think most of you will know by now that I was creating my first uh, online course and uh, essentially what I ended up doing I wanted to create a, a, the anatomy of prose companion course but in order to create a course that I felt added more value and went into more depth than the book I had to break the book down drastically because otherwise it was just too big it would have been like 1100 hours of um, course and it just would have been ridiculous so I am going into micro niche topics which is what I'm what I'm calling it so for example the first course 
course that is now published is all about uh, writing and creating sensory writing. Um, so I might do a course on description, for example, or I might do a course on dialogue. I don't know. We will see where this goes. But the first course is all about capturing and using the senses to create better, deeper, richer writing, deeper characterization, better world building. So yes, engaging the senses and getting your characters to um, convey what they're trying to convey in a with more depth. So if you are interested in looking at that course, it is over three hours of content. It is live now and I will leave the link in uh, the show notes, but essentially it's sashablack.thinkific, which is think, ific.com sashablack.thinkific.com and I will leave the link in uh, the show notes but yes you can find out more about that course uh, and I'm happy to answer any questions as an FAQ and all of that good stuff on that page. Next up I think I mentioned last week that I am super honoured to be part of Kevin J Anderson's curated NaNoWriMo writing tools bundle. So what the hell is a writing tool bundle? I'll tell you, let me tell you right now. This bundle is a set of no less than 17 digital books covering a range of techniques, uh, writing techniques, writing craft, business, marketing, career management. Uh, there's also a course from WNG, which is Dean Wesley Smith, and um, it's got mega indies uh, books in there like Scott King, Sarah Painter, Joanna Penn, yours truly, Andrea Pearson, uh, obviously Kevin J. Anderson, Leah Cutter, uh, who else? Brian D. Meeks. So it is a whopper of a bundle of books and it's a pay what you like system. So there is like a minimum price, which is $20, but $20 for 17 books and a course. And the course is worth $150 alone is like a nuts price. So yeah, it's worth it. Um, so if you are planning on doing NaNoWriMo, or even if you're not planning on doing NaNoWriMo, but you would like to improve your craft, improve your business, uh, your mindset, your audio skills, then um, go check it out. I will leave a link in the show notes. And I think this bundle is going to be out for, until the end of November time. So I'll mention this uh, a few more times. So yeah, go and check it out. Uh, next up then, I am super honoured to have been asked to speak at Janet Murray's 2021 Sorted Conference. So this conference is for anyone who wants to basically do content marketing. It's a it's essentially a two-day content planning masterclass for coaches, creatives, authors, entrepreneurs. And I'm going to be speaking all about self-publishing. And there are some amazing uh, sessions. I'm even interested in some of the sessions. I can't wait. I think it looks amazing. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be attending as well as speaking, of course. And yeah, if you would like to check it out, then I will leave a link to that. And the other thing I was going to say, actually, is just to give Janet a, a massive props, really. I um, have been listening to her podcast, which I will leave a link to. And it's amazing. Her podcast is so jam-packed, full of ideas every single week. I'm like having to stop and take notes when I'm listening, um, which led me to buy her 2021 content, um, content planning diary. Um, it might not be for everybody. If content planning isn't on your radar, then it's probably not going to be useful. But content planning is definitely, I, I definitely do content marketing. This is content marketing. Um, so yes, I, I have brought her planner and it will arrive in November. So I can't uh, sort of comment on it now, but everything I've looked at so far, it looks amazing and will help me structure. And um, I, I, what I would like to do is have, I guess, a few more themes, maybe like theme months or theme quarters or something for next year, like with the podcast and with like blogs and books and, and things like this. So yeah, that's why I have brought her content planner. So I will leave a link to that in the show notes as well. More personal updates. Um, 
it was a tough week last week. I I have burnt the candle at too many ends and I'm exhausted. I obviously needed to finish my course. I was doing a webinar last week. Um, I've been doing a crazy amount of stuff all in the background and um, I am super tired. And on Friday, my son got sent home from school because somebody in his year group bubble got COVID. <laughs> So now he's off school for a little while and I don't really know how I'm going to get my work done. But it's fine, everybody. Everything's fine. It's all fine. I'm not panicking. I'm not. Promise. Promise. Okay, I'm really fucking panicking. It's fine. It's not fine. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to keep my head on my shoulders and hope for the best because that's all we can do. And just thank goodness that, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I've got this job. I love my job. So <laughs> oh, it's going to be fine. Anyway, uh, so in the next week, because I don't really think I've given you a personal update of what I'm working on for ages. So I am, now I've finished the course, I am moving on to, um, I've got a few like business structural things I need to do. I need to finish moving my mailing list from MailChimp to MailerLite, uh, which involves redoing all of my, um, what are they called, autoresponders. And stuff like that. I need to get on with editing a tray and yeah, like, uh, oh, and sirens because I now have two books that need editing and also planning my next non-fiction book and my next non-fiction course. Both of those, oh, and lest we forget, I also need to start recording the audiobook of The Anatomy of Prose. So just one or two things to get sorted before the end of the year then. Uh, yeah, so that's basically me. That's where I'm at. That's what I'm working on and trying not to lose my mind. <laughs> oh yes, and one last thing. I am now looking for a VA. So um, I, I definitely think it's time for me to get a VA. So initially I will be looking for somebody who will be willing to do some of the podcast uh, like admin stuff around the podcast so if you guys have recommendations or you know of people please do let me know I've got one person I am looking into at the moment but uh, actually I've got two people I'm looking at uh, but yeah I am always open to recommendations and if if you do have skills particularly in and around podcast administration then please do let me know um, it's time it is time I need help <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind otherwise. So yes. Alrighty. Listener Rebel of the Week. This week is Laura Kendrick. Laura said, when I was in primary school, way back in the 90s, you say that like that was a long time ago. <laughs> really wasn't a long time ago. Oh my goodness me. They cancelled sports day. I instigated a protest, whipped up everyone up into a frenzy that included chain chaining ourselves to fences with skipping ropes. Oh my goodness, you absolute fucking legend. And chanting and refusing to go back in after dinner too. Oh my God, I, this is amazing. You're in primary school. For those people who don't know what primary school is, primary school in the UK is from starting school until year six. So it must be it's until you're about 10 or 11. So Laura would have been anywhere from sort of five years old up to 11 year old 11 year old what an absolute hero uh, Laura continues to say we all had to write apology letters to the dinner ladies afterwards <laughs> pretty sure mine said I was sorry they didn't see our point of view and that we couldn't that we couldn't have sports day oh you are an absolute fucking legend. I love this rebellion. Oh my goodness me. This has probably tickled me pink. If you would like to be a rebel of the week, please do send in your story. It can be any kind of rebellion, big, small, or somewhere in between. You can email your rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at rebelauthorpod. We had a bumper group of patrons join this week. Oh my goodness me, five new patrons. I don't know what happened, but thank you all so much for being so generous and for joining me over on Patreon. I I never, I always feel like when I thank you guys, it's not good enough because I just, I, I can't convey how, like how grateful I am uh, to all of you for, for joining me over there. So yes, a big thank you to Heather, Renee Gallant, Stacey L. Fraser, Mary Whitten and Cindy. And also thank you to all of my existing patrons. You guys, you know, you, you hear me say it every week, but I absolutely adore you. And I'm very grateful that you helped to keep the show running and 
you know, melt a bit of coal off my cold dead heart. So thanks guys. If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. Last quick note before we dive into the show. This show was recorded when I'd just moved into my house and therefore the audio is very echoey as there was fuck all in my office. Uh, So yes, apologies for the sort of echoey sound on my end. Uh, I thought I was at the end of all of those shows, but um, it appears this one was also recorded then. So hopefully you guys won't mind and you'll forgive me. Alrighty, this week the show is sponsored by Pro Writing Aid. Pro Writing Aid is an editing software and it is fan fucking tastic. I use it personally as both my last line of defense and as a grammar checker, I guess like a style editor, a writing mentor, um, all before I ship my manuscript off to my editor. Pro Writing Aid is about more than just finding grammar mistakes. It helps you learn good writing techniques too. It has over 20 different writing reports that make suggestions and then offer detailed explanations as to um, like why they're making those suggestions. And if you don't like the suggestions, then they also have videos and quizzes to help you understand the reasoning behind the suggestions. Of course, writing can be grammatically perfect and still feel awkward and clumsy. So ProWritingAid searches out elements like repetitiveness, vague wording, sentence length variation, uh, over-dependence on adverbs, passive voice, complicated sentence constructions, and so much more. Now, obviously, ProWritingAid won't ever replace a human editor, but rather it helps you to self-edit your manuscripts to a deeper level so that when you do send off your manuscript to an editor, the editor will be able to focus on the meat of your writing and not spend their time fixing basic writing issues. So if you would like to find out more about ProWritingAid, then you can use my discount code REBEL25 and I have dropped a link in the show notes for you to find out more about that. All right, a whopper monster of a intro this week, but I did say I'd make up for it last week. Uh, Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today is a super special episode because I am joined by not one, but two guests. Today I am joined by Jeff Adams and Will Knaust. Jeff writes male-male romance, often featuring hockey players as well as young adult novels. Will is an avid male-male reader, male-male romance reader, and aspiring writer. Together they co-wrote The Hockey Player's Heart. They also co-host Big Gay Fiction Podcast, a weekly show for avid readers of male-male romance, and Big Gay Author Podcast, which documents their journey to becoming full-time authors. Welcome! Thank you so much for having us. Hi. No, it's an absolute honor. I um, I have been listening to, uh, so you guys gave us a shout out, which was, in fact, I think you gave us two shout outs, which was super, super kind of you. So thank you very much. And um, I also heard you on Joanna's podcast, The Creative Pen, which was when I then um, started like subscribing and listening to both of your podcasts. So yes, I, I'm a, sort of a short term, but have been listening for a few weeks now. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for joining me. Um, could you could you tell everyone a little bit more about both of your journeys individually, um, and I suppose together, seeing as you've also co-written, and, and how you both got to where you are now? Do you want to go first, or shall I go first? I go first. <laughs> uh, my first story got written when I was in the eighth grade. Long, long time ago. Got published in the little, in the little school literary journal. And I kind of just kept going from there. Uh, I was the geek that liked to write term papers. Uh, I I went to school for journalism, so I was doing that for a long time. Started a literary magazine with a friend from college, uh, which he still runs now some 20 years later, so that's still going. Wow. Uh, And I just, there's something about creating a story, particularly romance, where I the genre I've kind of settled in because even my young adult, some of it tends towards romance. Some of it's more thriller based, but giving that happily ever after to people is just so satisfying, you know, and I love doing that. And so I've just kind of stuck with it. 
Um, unlike my husband, I was not the geek who liked to write term papers. Um, but I have always been interested in story and like whatever form that might take, whether it was um, reading or writing or performing in plays. I was one of those kids who, who put on plays and made everyone watch them. Um, so I've always been interested in uh, various forms and kinds of storytelling. And that has manifested its, uh, uh, my creativity in many ways over the years. But uh, eventually, I kind of settled on the world of gay romance. And a couple of years ago, um, I turned to this guy standing next to me and I said, hey, let's start a podcast. <laughs> Since it was stuff that we talked about on a regular basis anyway, we figured we'd just hit the record button and see what happened. And here we are five years later. Uh, the Big Gay Fiction podcast is going pretty strong. Uh, we've got a really nice audience of engaged and passionate readers of gay romance. And uh, last year, we started the Big Gay Author podcast, which is uh, sort of a different take. about. It's really about the flip side. We talk about fiction on one show, and we talk about the, the creative side on the author podcast. Mm. Um, I'm just going to come back uh, to something uh, about um, happily ever afters. I don't know what it is about them, but I completely agree. And even though I write fantasy and I'm going to write dark fantasy, and even if I write dystopian, I think there will always be an element of romance in there because I just can't fucking help myself. <laughs> just <laughs> love a good snog in there. And, you know, oh, yes. Um, okay, so... Is there anything else you want to tell um, listeners about your podcast? I, who's kind of already um, given a bit of an overview. Um, so instead, let me ask, what made you get into podcasting? It was really, beyond the fact that we were already having the conversations about the books in the house anyway, there was, it was an underserved area really, and it still, in our view, is an underserved area. There are many romance podcasts out there. We're part of the Frolic Podcast Network since last year, and there are other, there are many other romance podcasts sitting within that very network, but there aren't that many focused around gay romance. So it's like we were filling kind of that gap to talk about these books to people who want to hear some of that stuff in audio because not everybody's going to go read a blog to, to read about the books. And it was an opportunity too, as we moved, we kind of evolved into being more of a, a, a well, to having more of the show be interviews. We initially weren't sure we were going to have authors on a lot and it was just going to be kind of us talking books, but then we started having authors on and it's a way to put those authors in front of the readers. Uh, there's only so many, events that you can do uh, and even even less events now especially in-person events so it's a way to hear from your author about the newest book what their writing process may be how they determine you know their characters and whatever and for us it was great talking to those people because it was so awesome to talk to the re to the to the authors of the books that we love and learn more about it and quite honestly, to even expand our network of people that we just know in the industry. Yeah, that's one of the things that I love about podcasting is getting to meet wonderful people like you guys. Um, especially when you have people in your ears for so long as well. It's then like, it, it's very strange because you feel like you know people, you know, because you've listened to them for so long. And there's a real intimacy, I think, in having mm -hmm. somebody in your ears in that way. Um, so, what, so thinking, I guess, about both book sales and also your careers, you've sort of alluded to a bit the networking there, but what do you think the impact of podcasting is having on your, on your careers? In terms, <laughs> in terms of book sales, um, I don't think there is a direct correlation. I think when it comes to, to podcasting, uh, no matter what your subject matter is, it's really mainly it's a platform. It's a platform for getting your message out there. So when it comes to the Big Gay Fiction podcast, we're talking to a dedicated 
fan base of gay romance readers. So whenever Jeff and I end up having a book um, released, we can mention to them, hey, guess what? Um, here's a book you might like. So we may get some sales uh, tangentially that way, but um, as, as you said before, podcasting is actually a remarkably intimate way of, of communicating with people. Um, they listen to you uh, on a regular basis. They listen to you, you know, if they've got their earbuds in, doing their like everyday lives, like walking the dog or doing the dishes or doing chores around their house, you know, whatever they're doing, they're, they're living their lives with you right there next to them. So I think it's a really interesting and it's a remarkable way to build rapport and uh, just what's, what's the, um, the, the marketing thing, no like, and trust. Mm. I think podcasting is a remarkable way to build that. So really the podcast, both the author and the fiction podcasts are really kind of a foundation for things that we're going to do in the future. Um, we've been doing the fiction podcast for five years. Um, so we've got a, a pretty solid foundation there, but really it's going to be uh, how, how we can use that in the future in, in various ways, whether it ends up being nonfiction, the way that you do it, or um, some other way, some other format. Um, I'm constantly inspired by listening to, to different podcasts and li listening to authors trying new and interesting things and how to connect with readers. There's always something new to try. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's important for authors to think about getting on podcasts. Because mm -hmm. we do hear from our author guests that they can see a spike in sales for sure within the week. I mean, the podcast episodes are evergreen. So, you know, the, the episode we put out, you know, last week, somebody could discover that author for the very first time six months from now and buy the book. But authors have told us over the years that they see a tick in book sales, like that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as the episode first drops. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for authors to realize that if they're starting something, especially like the Big Gay Fiction podcast, it may help their sales of their books, but they're probably more helping the pe the books of the people that they're are that they're having on as guests or that they're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, and I can't tell you the number of books I have brought after listening to podcasts. It's ridiculous. Um, although I do also buy the hosts' books, but I think that's just because we're in a niche, and you know, lots of the podcast hosts are writing books in the genres that I read. So, so that also helps. Um, I was going to come back on something. Um, yeah. Oh, just to say that the fact that you guys have a podcast that literally, that focuses on the fiction is such an inspiration to me because I really, if I, <laughs> I already have two podcasts, so I'm definitely not going to do it right now, but I have been mulling over a third podcast focused on the fiction, but if, feels so enormous to me. Um, and also, I don't know, like, I feel like there aren't many, uh, and so at the moment I write predominantly young adult, but I feel like there aren't many young adult focused fiction podcasts, but I don't know if that's because there's no desire or because there's no supply. Um, but yeah, and also I don't know if I'm gonna continue to write young adult, but um, yeah, I just, I love that you guys do it and I, I just wish I, could throw myself over. He's heard line. me say more than once that I would like to start a YA podcast because <gasps> I do feel it's underserved. We it cover is. YA within our show because I love it so much. Mm -hmm. But as the genre keeps growing and growing and growing, I would like to find more YA outlets for myself as I put books out, and mm. but also to listen to to find other books. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree because at the moment I get a lot of my YA recommendations like on Instagram and that's it. Yes. Okay, right. Focus, Sasha. Um, <laughs> what, what are the best and worst things about podcasting for each of you? I love playing with the tech. I was the AV geek in school. You know, I was the one setting up the film projectors and the video projector or whatever had to get done. 
I had a mixing board as a kid because I liked messing with audio and stuff and getting to geek out on the tech because I keep finding new things to use that improve my systems. I love that. <laughs> on the flip side, connected to that occasionally is the time it takes to produce sometimes. Um, you're catching us as we record this in July, early July. We just did a whole bunch of programming for Pride Month. So we went above and beyond the six episodes that we would have normally had in June and then did 15 more. <laughs> that was a little more than I anticipated the work to be. And so I'm kind of recovering from that now. But sometimes it's how long it takes to produce it, but I also love producing it. So it's, it's a bit of a give and take there. Yeah, and I think one of the joys of podcasting is that you get to talk about something you love every single week. Mm -hmm. So that's a certain plus. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that, one of the problems I personally run into is, is that in order for a, a podcast to run smoothly, you usually have to come up with systems, which means that you sit down and you record at a specific time every week. Um, we tend to do it uh, very early on Saturday morning. And um, you know what? Some days I just do not feel like doing that. First thing, <laughs> Saturday morning, um, either I'm in a crappy mood or for some reason I'm like, I'm foggy and the words just don't come. You, oh God, until you have a podcast, you never, you, it's, oh my God, words. Words are so damn hard sometimes. So hard. Yeah, I'm giggling because I started this. <laughs> I started talking to you guys with basically no words because I've just come off another podcast and I am yep. talking about how how I hit a wall earlier on today and just monged in front of the TV for a good hour. We watched. I watched a film with my son. And I have no fucking clue what happened in the film, even though I was <laughs> staring at the TV. Oh dear. But yeah, oh, I so know what you're talking about. The worst for me is. Um, so I do like an intro to every episode and obviously that's recorded at, at a separate time the week, the week it goes live. And so my patrons always get the, always get the episode on Sunday. And if I've been disorganized or moved house or done stuff, then I end up recording them on Sunday, which is so difficult because it's the end of the week and I'm mashed in my brain. And uh, yeah, so I always like doing it in the week, but most of the time, like recently I've not been able to, and it's just so hard to find words oh i just feel your pain um okay i i know a lot of listeners are interested in podcasting or audio in general but are concerned that they're that, that doing that and creating them is a super technical process um so do you maybe this is to jeff like do you do you have any advice for those writers who are i, I guess afraid of the tech but really want to podcast don't be afraid of the tech, especially these days. There's so much easy and cheap tech and you don't have to sound like you're in a recording booth. I mean, we started with a $100 Yeti microphone and freeware from where we use Mac. So it was a freeware uh, audio editor. And, you know, we started generating episodes that way. We've upped our tech significantly over the years, in, in some cases, because I want to play with the tech. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so easy now, even if you're going to create, and I would take it a step beyond podcasts and think about even doing Facebook Lives. I mean, in, these, in, in, in the pandemic, we've seen so many uh, virtual conferences happening, people getting together for panel discussions on Zoom or whatever. And I think it's important these days for authors to be aware of the tech and even have it on hand so that if somebody says, hey, I'm doing this thing, want to come do it? And you, you're able to say yes, provided obviously nothing else in your life is happening, but you don't want the tech to hold you back from that. And you can get, I mean, the the HD webcam we've got, that was $100-ish. You can get good mics for 100 Plug-and-play USB for most computers at that point. And then from there, it's, if you're, if you're editing, there's easy software out there, too, 
there's a beautiful program called Descript that can turn your audio editing into essentially editing as if you were editing in Word by how that works. So, and that too is a, is a relatively low cost um, monthly subscription. So it's out there to do it. And I, I think you need to do it because whether it's Facebook or podcast or even creating things for your readers in some cases that even if you're not podcasting, to be able to put stuff out there, I think it's, don't hide under the tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Descript is amazing because it can also help you snip uh, things out like mm -hmm. that you can then use for um, audiograms and things, which, is, which are all exciting social things that you can share. Um, what was I going to say? I, I was one of those people who was scared because of the tech. I thought I couldn't do it. And then like, I, I just, I, when I'm afraid I have to go and do the thing, but, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's not hard. If I can do it, anybody else can do it. What made you take that first leap? What made you get over your fear? Um, so a few things had built up. I'd been listening to podcasts for years mm -hmm. and um, I did audio work when I was a teenager and I had a few people comment that they could listen to my voice and uh, one particular person and unfortunately I don't recall I know it was a woman and I can see her face, but I can't recall her name. And it was at the 20 books to 50 K in Edinburgh conference. And she just pulled me over and said, I, you know, you should, you should use your voice. I, I really could listen to you. And I can't remember the exact words that she said, but it just tipped me over, I think. And I was like, okay, I've, I've heard this enough times now that I ought to do something uh, with it. And, um, so yeah, I just, I was like, okay, fuck it, this is going to happen. And if, it, if I fail miserably, then at least I tried. Um, but now I'm like 40 episodes in, so go me. You're and building I, an audio booth. I've seen those pictures. I mean, that's how far you're going with it. I know. I'm so excited for the audio booth um, because I'm just, I'm desperate to record the nonfiction. I, I don't think I can do the, the fiction. I'm I'm, that's too scary uh, but the non-fiction yeah I'm excited to do uh, um, do you guys do your do your books in audio no I I had a short story that I did on a whim mostly because I wanted to see what it was like mm -hmm. to try to do that and it gave me a this is not to say that I didn't respect audiobook narrators and their process before but once I tried to do it I understood the concept of the finished hour and why those prices are what they are because it is not easy. And I wasn't even doing it to the level that I know they have to do to meet ACX requirements. Mm. Yeah, I, so I recorded the first of my nonfiction books uh, with, with a friend who had his own like sound thing. Unfortunately, they were burgled and, and it, this material wasn't backed up. So I lost everything, which is, yeah. Mm. This is, so this is what's led me to build my own booth. I definitely a control freak and I don't <laughs> want to lose it again and um but <laughs> to record the book oh my god it took so fucking long and after that was just the recording that then wasn't including the editing and the mm -hmm. mastering I mean the mastering's quick but the editing bit is what takes forever um so yes I'm like both squealing with excitement and just gut-wrenching dread over how long it's going to take me to get these bloody books done, but I have to do it. Oh, okay. Um, so one last technical question. How much time should an author expect to put into their podcast? Like how long does it really take you guys to produce um, your episodes each week? For fiction, which is the slightly more it has more elements than the author show does. When you include gathering the interview for the week, recording our, our bits for the week, putting it all together from the very beginning to having it all uploaded and all the audiograms done, it's probably about five hours a week, maybe a little bit more. Depends on how many audiograms I'm making and all that stuff, you know, how many elements there are. The author show happens much faster. We record that Saturday morning. 
and usually it's dropped by lunch. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, soup to nuts, it's very quick and I could do it that quick because of Descript. If I did not have Descript, it would take me a lot longer to deal with that edit uh, because words are hard as we covered earlier. <laughs> um, and I think that you, you've brought something up here that I think is extremely important for authors to consider around podcasting is if you're going to do that, how does it impact your writing? Yes. How many words are you giving up to do a podcast? Um, you know, for a lot of authors, five hours not writing is, could be up to 5,000 words, especially if you're doing dictation. Uh, so you have to think about that because if you're podcasting too, you've got to keep your listener expectations in mind. If you say you're going to be there every week, you need to be there every week. Or, to, you know, to, or do it less and be, you know, twice a month, every, you know, every other week, whatever that looks like. But if you decide to do it, I think that's almost more important than the tech hurdle is being in the mindset of I'm going to do this. But consider, too, that you can, you know, do seasons. There's a lot of way to slice and dice it to set listener expectations, but it's important to do that. Mm. Yeah, one one thing that I do is I tend to block interview. So I, I this week I've probably done about ten interviews, uh, but then you know I won't have to do any interviews for several months, um, and then they just eke out over over the weeks. So that, but but yeah, that's such a good point. Um, and I don't think if I were still part time or still in a day job that I could do the podcast because it would take up too much time because I, I find it's about the same. It's about five, five hours of work per episode, which is only an hour long or, or 45 minutes long. Um, okay. In, in terms of strategy, you guys podcast in a niche area. I try to serve a niche audience too, in that although it's wider in terms of it's for creatives, it's for creatives who like a bit of swearing and rebellion and sarcasm. Um, so how important do you think it is to have a strategy with your podcast? And do you have any tips? Um, when I think when we started out, our strategy was pretty vague. It was just sort of, let's do this and see what happens. And over the years, we've kind of refined what we want the podcast to be and you know what we want to uh, accomplish with the show so i think you need to talk about that whole why concept because i mean while there may not be a strategy there's the why and i think you articulate that far better than i do <laughs> Um, well, like both Jeff and Sasha have already said, it can be um, a hard grind. Uh, if you're doing a show every single week uh, that takes up several hours, that's a large chunk of your life. Um, so it's important to understand why you're doing it. And I think this applies to any creative activity, of course, but um, especially when it comes to podcasting, understanding your why is really important because that's going to not necessarily I don't think in, in inspire you to keep working but it's at least a, a goal it's a reason to keep going when things get really hard or you're really tired or you don't know how to say words anymore and you've recorded <laughs> the same introduction for the 50,000th time um, knowing your why is really important and I think for us um, we have a, an underserved audience, um, so we feel very strongly that um, people deserve to hear about these books and listen to these authors tell their stories and talk about their struggles or their creative process. We think that's important, and uh, luckily, um, we've got an audience who uh, enjoys what we have to offer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. And I think... For me, systematization is also very important to think about as part of a strategy. Anything I can do to make the show happen more efficiently, mm -hmm. you know, I'm all about that. And plugging it in there, I'll try it. And if it doesn't work, I'll take it back out of the system. But this, the systems constantly evolve on how things go from point A to point B. 
to just keep it being efficient uh, and getting the show out with the quality that we want it to have. Because that's the other thing too. I mean, it, figure out your quality and, and what you are happy putting out in the world, which is, you know, there's, yeah, don't try to make it perfect because then you'll never get it done. You know, just get it good and put it out and you could evolve how you, you know, get it out there. Uh, I've gone back a few times and heard those first, you know, year of episodes like, oh God. (laughs) But that was good at the time. That was our, where our baseline was then and it's evolved over the years. Yeah, I I fucked up five weeks on the trot, at which point uh, I asked Dan to stop proofing my episodes for me (laughs) because I was just like, I cannot keep putting mistakes out on the show. But you do. And the thing is, is you learn as you go. And I can assure you, you don't make the same mistake again. It was definitely five different mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) But it was definitely one week after the other. But but I'm still here. Like I survived the mistakes and, you know, I'm still growing an audience. So people can have hated me too much for those fuck ups. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. St- structure. You mentioned your um, structure. You, you have lots of elements in your podcast. I also have lots of elements in my podcast, which may or may not have been a mistake, but how do you guys structure your podcast? And do you think um, for listeners in, wanting to do a podcast that it's important to have a structure or to be a bit looser? Let's pause for just a moment. And I say that because the landscaper is about to walk by with the <laughs> blower. <laughs> I thought he was done. He's already done this once today. <laughs> Maybe he's not really coming. If you hear it, we could pause and come back (laughs) if it actually gets there, because maybe it won't. Um, So structure. I don't think you actually have to have a structure. We wandered our way into a structure, knowing what we wanted to put into the show between like for fiction, it's updates on the week, which could be, you know, what we, what thing did we watch that we don't necessarily want to talk a lot about, what newsy kind of things happened out in the world or whatever, and then reviews and the interview. And so some of our elements in there, we break those elements up with usually ads for a book or ads for the podcast network or whatever comes in there. Uh, the author shows even easier because we, talk about our week, talk about whatever topics there are, an interview if it's there. I think the author show is actually much more freestyle, I would say, than the fiction show has become. But I think if you, I mean, we started and we, I don't think we had a structure when we started. <laughs> Just kind of like, well, here we are. Yeah, I think when we started, we were listeners of podcasts first. And once you've listened to a couple of podcasts, you kind of know what you like and what you don't like. So you sort of take that and use that in your own show. Um, we steal from Joanna Penn all the time <laughs> um, because she's been doing this forever and she knows what she's doing. Um, so, our, well, I shouldn't say steal. We're inspired by Joanna <laughs> an awful lot. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it, it's really up to you. Um, is it a, if you've got a co-host, is it just sort of a, a freewheeling conversation about, you know, how your week went, or are you, you know, tackling different subjects on a rotating basis? Um, So, I mean, there are lots of different options. Uh, Do it one way one week, and if it doesn't work, try it another way another week. It's up to you. Yeah. There's a lot of freedom. And I think for us, the book to read in all this is Joanna's Audio for Authors. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much good stuff in there, but there's also a book called Big po- the Big Podcast. Is that what that's called? Just, are you looking at me? Because you're because you read the book too. I'll have to send you the link for the. I'll have to send you the name of it for the show notes. But there's a. I think it's called the 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 Big Podcast book or something like that. It's a ginormous book. It covers everything you'd ever want to know about podcasting and starting and everything to think about too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I read a couple of books uh, before I started podcasting, but not Joanna's obviously. I 
read that afterwards because I'd already started. But um, even after reading, even after having podcasts for so many episodes and and then I read her book and I still came out with a gigantic list of things that I could tweak and make better. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, fuck, what did I think of that? You know, doing this for 30 episodes. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I also shamelessly, I adore her podcast. I've listened to it for years. So yeah, I definitely inspired by her. Um, mum, 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 mum. Okay, you guys podcast together. So, what do you think are the most important things to consider about co-hosting a podcast? I.e., how do you avoid getting divorced? <laughs> <laughs> I think if you choose to do a show um, with a co-host or even a group of people, um, I think it helps to at least know them relatively well beforehand to kind of understand the rapport or chemistry that you already have and sort of fingers crossed that chemistry is going to translate to audio so that it's an enjoyable experience for the listener. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We're kind of just, we're, we're ourselves when we record the show. Yeah. Yeah. it's, it's the chemistry is the most important thing so that there's an easy give and take if you're in a co-host situation. Uh, but I mean, we were together like fifth, gosh, what would it have been 15 or 20 years before we started podcasting. So we kind of had our chemistry down. Yeah. <laughs> we started. And luckily we're pretty much in our, in our, in the, in our business relationships, which, you know, the podcast definitely falls under business relationship. We, we collaborate there. Well, whether it's figuring out the podcasts or the publishing directions we want to take, or there, there may be disagreement sometimes on how to get there, but then we, we easily navigate either the compromise or the yes, your idea is better than mine or whatever that is, we're able to navigate it without getting divorced or even really fighting about it. There may be a a momentary groan or something. (laughs) It quickly moves on from there. I love that you guys uh, podcast and and business together. I don't think, so me and my wife make an absolutely amazing team in the real world. Like we, we, I, I got, I'm trying to like, We've lived in so many different houses and we move house without arguing, which is almost impossible for like the majority of people. We are a fantastic team. And I'm just trying to think, so we've renovated this whole house together in such a short space of time, but I don't think we could work together. (laughs) We'd kill each other. Um, We're both like really, uh, what's the word? What a word, someone help me. See, words are hard. Yeah, words are hard. Uh, well, I don't know. Anyway, let's just move on. Um, <laughs> okay, so I, I, I want to go deeper. What is it like to work with your spouse? And and also, because I've heard you talking about co-writing together um, and, and the trials and tribulations of that. Um, same question. What's it like to write together as a married couple? Um, the one book that we've collaborated on was a gay romance called The Hockey Player's Heart. And we originally pitched that book as a series. And um, how we went about the co-writing process was as we both came up with the general plot outline and the characters. Uh, Jeff went ahead and wrote the first draft. And then I went and did a good portion of the editorial process. And things went pretty good. Um, That book turned out nicely. People have seemed to have enjoyed reading it. And when it came time to write book two in that series, we essentially did the exact same process. Only this time we managed to hit every single pothole in the road, every pothole that we had avoided before. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, the second time around, we were not as lucky. And that book was a freaking mess. Um, It just did not work out. And I think what that process ended up showing us is that um, while we get along swimmingly in our everyday life and during podcasting, and we're uh, a very happily married couple of many, many years, 
um, we may not be ideal creative partners. Or when it comes to co-writing a book together, I think we found out that we have very different approaches to fiction. So yeah, I think no matter how new or old a relationship might be, there's always something new to discover and uncover. Mm -hmm. And if it comes to collaborating again in the future, um, we've got that failed book under our belt and we know what to avoid and we'll come up with something different next time and try and figure out the process. Oh, brilliant. I love it. Okay. One of your podcasts is all about gay fiction. So tell me your must reads for this year and definitely include one of your own books in that list. Um, I'd like to share two books really quickly. Um, the first book is called The Hideaway Inn by Philip William Stover. This book came out not too long ago, and it is a really sweet and wonderful contemporary romance about a guy who, as a financial investment, buys this rundown inn, and he's basically going to slap a coat of paint on it and then flip it because he's got a, like a boutique hotel company that's really interested. So sort of like the financial side, that's really all he's interested. But once he returns home and starts working on this inn, he runs into a guy he knew before, he's a contractor and they end up working together. And of course, fall in love during the process. Um, it's a really wonderful, charming, sweet book that's got a fantastic cast of quirky, wonderful secondary characters. Uh, imagine Stars Hollow in The Gilmore Girls and you kind of get an idea of the, the vibe that's going on in this book. So that's The Hideaway Inn by Philip William Stover. Is this um, the one with the homeless guy? I swear I listened to an episode the other day and you were talking about a book with a romance with a homeless guy in it. When they were, but they, he was house flipping. I don't know. I said, I'll go back and listen to it and then I'll, I'll no, let you know. That, that's not this particular one. Okay, <laughs> that, okay. That's a different one. And uh, another book that I really want to quickly recommend is called Heartache and Hoofbeats by Maz Maddox. And this is the centaur shifter wild west romance i didn't know i needed wow that's a <laughs> that is, is a genre mash up it is so i mean it's so just to like say that out loud you're like what yeah. I, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> but when you read it this book is so wonderful um it's about a centaur shifter he's the sheriff of, of a small town and he ends up taking into custody a, a guy who uh, failed to rob a train. And so while he's in jail, they get to know one another and <laughs> fall in love. Uh, and then they have to like save the town from the desperados when they come riding in. It's, oh gosh, oh God, I can't even describe how uh, amazing this book is. There's so many wonderful romantic paranormal um, action adventure elements to this story. It's called Heartache and Hoofbeats by Maz Maddox. And it's actually the first book in her series. Um, so there's lots of other really weird, wonderful shifters uh, in this Wild West setting to, to take advantage of. Yeah. So I like both of those a whole bunch, but the ones that I'll recommend, uh, 2020 has certainly been the year of TJ Klune for me, as many years have been, but House on the Cerulean Sea I think came out, it came out in March just as the lockdown started to happen. And it is so sweet and so kind and has this overall message of kindness and embracing who you are and not letting other people tell you not to be that person. Uh, it's, it's about this guy who works for essentially this department of magical children. Um, and he has to, he goes around to these orphanages where the children are and has to do, you know, assessments of how they're being cared for and stuff. And he goes off to this orphanage that's uh, on this island because there are six really extremely unique children that the, that the government doesn't really know how to cope with. Um, and he goes there to find out about the children and about their conditions and He's very rules and regulations until he gets there, but then he really sees more about what's happening and who these children are and how they're under the care of, of the guy who runs the orphanage. It's so sweet. I just can't really put it into good words. I had a hard time reviewing it on our show, but it's, it's the book you don't know you need in these weird times. 
Uh, and there's a really sweet romance that happens too between the the guy who shows up as the as the assessor and the guy that's running the orphanage. It's just it's so sweet. Uh, the other one I would recommend is called Finding Joy uh, by Adriana Herrera. Uh, we love Adriana's work so so much. Uh, her Dreamer series last year was amazing. This new book, Finding Joy. Uh, is an MM romance between two aid workers who are working in Ethiopia. Uh, one is a guy who has returned to Ethiopia after having spent some time there as a child with his parents who were aid workers. And he's come back to do more work and he falls in love with a guy who has grown up and lives in the country. Um, and they have to navigate having this spark of romance in a country where homosexuality is illegal um, and also what is happening, you know, in the future when this particular project is done and one's supposed to go back to the U.S., one kind of wants to go there for school. It's so sweet. Uh, and it's, it was, it's a perfect romance and it's more of what Adriana does so well. Uh, so I can't recommend enough Finding Joy. Um, and I guess for our own books, we've actually got two things out this year between, between us. Uh, we're appearing right now in a paranormal anthology called Heart to Heart, Volume 4. Congratulations um, on your bestseller tag. Yes, we got a bestseller tag off of that book, which was so exciting to be alongside those authors for our first Orange Banner. Uh, the book overall is set up as, as this environment where this podcast exists, and it's actually run by a quote-unquote genie. He actually goes by the name of Genie DeLamp as his cute little moniker for the podcast. Uh, and he grants wishes to all these, you know, paranormal types, uh, you know, werewolves, uh, vampires, jackalopes, bunny shifters, whatever, um, through the podcast and how the magic works. You know, if the wish is asked right, it might work well. And if not, it might go a little sideways. But we got invited into the anthology to write the podcaster uh, and his particular story. So that was a ton of fun. There's 16 stories by 18 authors. And it's available for a limited time through the end of September. And everything from that goes towards uh, three LGBTQ, LGBTQ uh, youth charities. So please pick that up and support those charities. Um, and then in April, I released a book called Keeping Kyle, which is part of a shared universe called the Hockey Allies Bachelor Bid Romances. And the five books that are in this universe all have a linchpin of taking place at some point at this bachelor auction where these the pro hockey players are being auctioned off for charity and whoever you know, ends up winning the bid or however things connected the charity that ends up and has their HEA uh, involved in it. Uh, for my guy, uh, he's an NHL player who is on the cusp of being traded away to another team and faced with the prospect of leaving his hometown, which he's not at all thrilled about. Uh, and he gets bid on by one of his biggest fans, who's a tech entrepreneur, a workaholic tech entrepreneur. And somehow they have to navigate the potential of the trade, plus the workaholic uh, tendencies to figure out their HEA in there somewhere. I love it. You can tell you are a seasoned pro at uh, reviewing and talking about books because you make me excited to read all of those. Um, Please and pick I, up all six. Yeah. yeah really good. <laughs> My wife is going to kill you guys. <laughs> I have had enough book deliveries this week. Um, yeah, no, but also because I am, I just, I'm a blathering idiot when it comes to trying to describe my own books. So we need to take some tips from you. Um, the, the House on Cerulean Sea, though, is now firmly in my um, basket, but I, my wife has put me on a book buying plan this week. So, you know, it will It's the it will worst help. thing to do, mm, to be in that place where you can't push the buy button. Right? And the thing is, like, we, we joke about this, uh, like, openly, but it's lockdown before. I was in the house on my own, so no one knew what deliveries I was getting. <laughs> <laughs> But now she gets to see everything, and you know, I can hear the door creaking open, and she's like, oh, Another delivery. Mm. Um, okay, my favorite question this is the Rebel Author Podcast. So tell me about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. Silence. <laughs> this is the question we've dreaded the entire time. Um, 
You know, I think we're really kind of rebels because we're, you know, writing romance in a genre. Well, romance in general is written by women. And so we're, we're being a little rebellious of, you know, being out there and writing romance in that traditional space, but also embracing it because the women who write the romance are so good. Um, really remarkable stuff gets written there and it's, it's wonderful to create and be inspired by all those women writing the romance. Um, but I think that's a little rebellious is that the word, you know, guys writing romance. <laughs> when I saw the list of questions that you sent uh, for this podcast episode. Um, I'm also a fan of, of your show and I've listened to uh, many, many episodes and, uh-huh. and each of the people that you've interviewed have come up with wonderful or inspiring or hilarious uh, uh, stories of, of rebellion. Uh, and I can't really think of any. Um, any time that I was a rebel, I was either being, you know, kind of a, a stupid 20-something, you know, doing something that I shouldn't have been doing that I certainly don't want to talk about now. Oh, or- what? <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear my dad's rebellion? It was out fucking rageous. Uh, <laughs> and I think, to be quite honest, as I was thinking about this, I don't feel I am particularly rebellious in nature because um, I think growing up gay and having to be in the closet, at least in my personal experience, I always was trying to make myself smaller or trying to blend in. Uh, I did not want to be noticed um, because I knew there was something different about me. And uh, from a very young age, I had like intuitively understood that difference to be bad. So even though I couldn't necessarily put into words the the fact that I was gay, um, I knew that there was something that I needed to hide. So I spent the majority of my, you know, youth not being rebellious in any way. I spent most of my time trying to blend in. Um, and I think that once I came out in my 20s, I f- was trying to discover who I was because uh, after spending so much time covering up your true self um (laughs) once once the the closet door is thrown open it's like um where do i what how where do i go from here it's like that's a kind of a scary step into the unknown and i think that i'm going i'm going to be turning 48 this year and i'm still trying to figure that out so as a as an answer, I don't honestly think I have ever been particularly rebellious. I don't know. Okay. Well, <laughs> I loved what you said anyway. And also, yeah, I completely agree that um, writing writing romance, I think I would love to know the, like what the percentage of male romance authors versus female romance authors. I bet it's pretty high on the female author author level um one last question then tell listeners where they can find out more about you both your podcasts and all of your wonderful books the best and easiest hub is jeffandwill.com everything splits out from there okay superb and just one last time um the names of both your podcasts for listeners the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, which comes out every Monday, and the Big Gay Author Podcast, which comes out every Saturday. Amazing. Thank you both so much for your time. It, it has been an absolute pleasure to meet you and, and to have the voices that are in my ears, in, now in my face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, thank you also to all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. Thank you also to everybody listening. I'm Sasha Black. You are (laughs) listening.
I will edit that out. <laughs> I am Sasha Black. You are listening to Jeff and Will. And this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'm talking to a returning guest, HB Line, and we are discussing goal setting and specifically goal setting for writers. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.